we're going to start recording this on our audio. And so I'm going to do my little bloop. 97.3 KEPW, uh, Eugene local radio station, is also broadcasting this. I forgot to tell y'all that. <laughs> so this is going to be on Facebook Live. This is going to be on KEPW next week. Um, it will be on YouTube. It will also be on... Is that everywhere? Oh, and, and on all podcast platforms in every way. So if you want to back out now, just turn off your camera and go. <laughs> Run if you want to. <laughs> okay. So thank you so much for coming, everyone. I really appreciate your patience. I know that people on my um, podcast know that I come on at 11-ish. Heavy on the ish, all right? Um, y'all know how I do. Every, every Sunday is, is a struggle, every Sunday. But you know, I come here because I love you. Okay. <laughs> So I'm here and we are going to be talking to this are a few more distinguished um, professionals from Lane County Public Health. And this is a, a series of three. This is our third one, which I'm kind of sad about because the first two were so great. You guys are bringing so much flavor to a black girl from Eugene. So I'm I'm just happy y'all reached out. I'm happy Martin did his thing. So Martin alums, thank you so much out there. I hope you're watching. Um, I want to give a big thanks to you for putting it together and working with me to do that. So we have, in not any particular order, I have Mo Young. And you want to put your hands in the air for your head, okay? <laughs> so it's Equity and Access Coordinator. We're going to get into all your titles and what the heck they mean, because I know people need to understand that that one title says one thing, and then there's like 55 other things that you actually do. <laughs> And then we have uh, Jason Davis, Lane County Public Health Information Officer. That sounds very official. So yeah, not so much. So we definitely want to talk about that more. And then we have Ola, and I do not want to mess up your last name, but I'm gonna try it. So Adinhi, Adin, Adinahi, Ah, I should have just went with my first thought. I do that all the time. Ola Adinahi. Now, you are a BIPOC communication liaison, and I know that is loaded. So we're going to start. <laughs> I would love, who wants to jump in to your title? I kind of want to start with Ola in a way, because the, the word liaison for me is, is like a loaded term. So I would love to know more um, about what your, what your job title is, and then we'll just kind of go around and just see how, so we can talk about how, what everyone does, and we'll go from there. Mm-hmm. So right now, my job in that title and that role is really being kind of like the conduit between our community-based organizations and what is happening at the county as far as COVID response goes. So really being in tune with our communities, knowing what our communities wants, takes a certain like conduit or person or group of people that can really get into the communities, understand what's going on, and actually have the communities lead by example of how... You know we need to be treating them um so my job really is is to talk things out figure out where we are as a group um with our diverse communities figure out what needs we need and then communicate those back to the county um and serve as that like bridge or liaison person that can go back and forth between the two environments and translate the needs from both sides to one another so i just get to go back and forth and communicate messages and make sure that they're followed through with and that you know really specific community needs are being um followed up and uh, executed in a meaningful way. I mean, COVID 
has affected our brown and black communities um, disproportionately. So there are certain things that we have in our communities, needs that we have in our communities that haven't been met, um, that need to be addressed in a meaningful way. So that's where I just step in and, um, you know, really just, it's a communications role. <laughs> you know, okay, so I will give you some background. Like I worked for the state for eight years, right? And so I do know that the the communication from community to to government level um it, it takes it takes a very strong communicate a communication and it takes a very open director to hear what the public is actually saying and what they will actually accept so i'm imagining yeah. that we'll have more to talk about with how that relationship is for you because i i can imagine it's kind of i mean i don't know maybe um the the public health is open and like i want to do everything and we're going to do it just like they said or perhaps not and you ha- you're having to go back and forth and I'm, I'm wondering what that's like for you in terms of like you said the disproportionality the fear mm-hmm. around the involvement medically to have it involved through the government going back to the community is right. very contentious historically right yeah. especially for the black and brown community so to be to be the liaison it's not a small it ain't i don't, I don't want people to think they'll be like oh it's just like she goes no 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 <laughs> There's a lot going on historically that puts you in a very difficult space, actually. It's actually been very um, interesting because we're really trying to do two things right now. Um, We know about historical mistrust between communities and our government agencies. So it's really trying to do two things of like get folks well and by making the healthy choice, the easy choice by having, you know, vaccines available, but also being able to come from a place of understanding and knowing that like there's reasons why we don't trust all of our government organizations and also, um, you know, acknowledging that and then Mm -hmm. moving forward in a way that makes sense um for especially our communities um you know yeah being able to do that you know okay so i know jason i feel like i feel all of you will be able to answer the next thing and i kind of want to put it to the side so i want to go to all your titles first but i'm just gonna write it down real quick if you know i it's just so on the top of your head that um how I, I like I do I do uh, equity race diversity e- education and one of the first things I tell businesses is that you know w- well not the first but maybe the third thing I'm talking about how are you creating relationship with black and brown communities right because relationship is like you're not it doesn't matter black and brown people will put up with quite a bit and you'll think that everything is fine but we just know we got to get in get what we need and get the hell out right so you're like well they didn't say anything they're not going to they're picking and choosing their battles okay <laughs> right? so it's like the in the in when you're in a structure like the government or you're in the structure like um we're in the institution like healthcare, institu- institution like government there's a relationship that's already there so how are you bridging the trust and some people are not trusting. Like, I'm, I'm going to be straight up. When I went to go get my shot, I was like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, like, what am I doing? Okay, just do it, just do it, just do it, right? And, and because I knew, <laughs> I know that there's legitimate history that tells me I should be asking, like, I should be way worried, right? And then there's other history that I know that where we are and what we're doing and the, the whole multiculturalism around trying to defeat the pandemic and everyone that's involved and all of this stuff. I also know that piece. So I went with the latter because I'm choosing progress, right? <laughs> and so, but I was scared. And 
I was sick each time I got the shot. I mean, and so I was just, every time I was sick, I was like, oh, it's over for me. It's over. I'm dying. This is it. And then it was like the next day, oh, I'm fine. I guess it worked out. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I don't think, what, what'd you say? I said, gotta go back to work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, well, I survived. All right, let's go. <laughs> so, but it was, you know, but I mean, I don't think I was the only one. The reasons why... I decided to go was because I was like, I want to travel. Like, I, I actually need to go somewhere. I can't be stuck here. Like, I got to go. And so I think that's it. It wasn't because, like, all of these other big, you would think, societal reasons. It was very personally and felt selfish. It was like, I do not tell me I can't leave <laughs> the United States. Like, oh, I got to get a shot? Okay, where? Right? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's how that went. And so I don't think I'm alone in that idea. So um, thank you. We will get back to the liaison piece because it feeds right into you, Jason, actually, uh, when it comes through to um, the work that you're doing. So tell me now with the title that we've given now, we were saying that um, as we were talking off air, we were just talking about how it has become that you have been able to get to be able to be open to this kind of work. Not that that you weren't before, but that the this journey of really understanding, as you're saying, as a white man, being able to be um, an ally in this space and to decenter yourself enough to be able to hear black and brown communities speaking to you. And like how you described it, which I wrote down, which I loved, was recognizing that, that, that if you can't, you're not actually at your professional potential, which I think speaks really loudly to, um, to the... Uh, the, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the white culture, white supremacist culture, ten, like the tenets of white supremacist culture, but one of them is professionalism and holding tightly to professionalism. So what I thought, and meaning the, the, the definition of what professionalism actually is, and I, what you said was a, beautiful to me is because you actually equated understanding equity in a real manner, your relationship to racism, your relationship to these equity um, points and to the black and brown communities that if you don't, you're actually not at the potential of your professionalism, which I thought, yeah, was was excellent. So you're in your role, Lane County Public Health Information Officer. That's long. That's long. It's a little bit too long, really. I'm just kind of the uh, person that talks about what all the smart people do. Oh, okay. And then, and then, you know, tries to be that, uh, well, kind of in a way, a liaison and a bridge to the community. And, um, you know, the, the, the public information officer aspect, this is working for the county for the last, you know, 10 years has been the first time that I've ever had that, that title. Mm. Most of the time, you know, I'm just, I'm just, the, just the person who talks, just the person who communicates, the person who tries to connect, you know, either the idea or the product or the service to the people that will use it. And, um, you know, and, and, and it's a challenge. And I think that, you know, what you were saying earlier about that kind of actualization and realization of, you know, the fact that if you're not actually uh, maintaining trust within our community of people, if you're not uh, able to speak to them and they hear you, then you really aren't proficient at your job. And that was something, you know, I think my journey with understanding BIPOC uh, culture, understanding equity work, understanding all those things happened, started 20 years ago. And that realization that we were not communicating effectively happened just like eight months ago. So wow. that's how long, you know, it's like there's constant 
like learning opportunities. And what I said, you know, before we went on air, I think is probably the most salient point of all that is the most important thing I've learned is what I don't know. That's right. the most important thing. And once you understand what you, at least, you know, you start to understand what you don't know, then you can ask for help. And the beautiful thing about Eugene right now, at least for me, is that we have lots of people here who want to help and who, who do understand. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's, that, that was, it's, it's humbling, right? To be 41 years old and having been doing a job for a long time and then say, I can't do it. I need help, you know? But that, that, that process of humbling yourself, understanding what you don't know has been so critical. Um, and, and you know, we're just beginning. We, we haven't even, you know, Paul has been doing great work. Martin's been doing great work. Mo's been doing great work. But, you know, we haven't even come close to realizing that actual trust, that mm -hmm. actual relationship, right? I mean, because you just articulated it yourself that, you know, you had all these anxieties and fears. And it's like, um, I, I look back at, you know, when you reference like historical trauma and, you know, the wrongs that have been done, um, you, you got to take ownership of, of that. And, but what really sticks out for me is the communications part of that. Because I feel like, even despite the structural uh, racism, despite the, the trauma that's happened, if there was effective communication happening in the midst of that, it, it, you know, we'd have a different outcome than we have now. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm like, you know, if, even if everybody else is doing all those big, huge parts to dismantle the system and build it back up in an equitable fashion, even if I aren't, I'm not personally gonna be writing out policy the way Mo does, or, or you know some of these other big big pieces. At least I can be responsible for the communication, establishing trust and rapport and open lines of communication. That way, at the very least, we can hear. That's something that that I personally and government has done too much of is talking at people, mm -hmm. you know, and, and pushing information and stuff at them rather than saying, "What what do you got to say?" Right. What's your, what, what's your experience? You know, it's interesting that you're saying that because, I mean, that's what the government it does is that it's institutional, right? It's not about, like, actually people and, and opinions and feelings. And it's like, you know, I mean, anybody who's worked within the government knows there's not a feeling in it, right? <laughs> it's very much about policy. And then once policy is written, it's almost like policy cannot be unwritten. It is policy, right? And so then it just becomes like this thing that's untouchable. And so for the idea that you have come to the point and i'm gonna say it very blatantly as a cis white man this has been this is a difficult road um yeah. i can tell you that in all the education i do the most pushback i get is from white cis men right that that's the mm. most that's the people who are holding on so tightly and, yep. and yes and that will not back away from just the idea that they are not actually losing anything but expanding their ability to do the work that they do right and that that and to see black and brown issues as a human a, a human issue versus like what what it, it becomes this really big ego like what are you saying we're not doing and it's like yeah. it's not that we're accusing it's kind of evidential it's it's all in it's evidential like it's all right here um, in the numbers, right? Like we can see what's not happening. So this is not a personal attack. This is actually, it is an institutional attack, which is, which is absolutely interesting how the, the people with the most power feel most closely tied to the institution as if it is them, right? As if it is their mm -hmm. same, <laughs> I'm doing this like it's in the DNA, right? So it's, yeah. I mean, that's kind of 
And it's, so I applaud the, just the approach. After 20 years of believing you're doing it one way and going, within the last eight months, I realized 20 years of what I've been doing has been absolutely not I- inclusive. And so eight months in, you know, you got 20 more years to go, right? Like in terms of how to really get it down. But, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I can tell you guys have some real heavy hitters on your team. I mean, honestly, like Ola, Mo, Martin, I've known about all of them in a very um, high integral piece of doing work for, for uh, black and brown community in Eugene. Doing work for black and brown community in Eugene is not a little thing. Like, it's not a little thing. And because, I mean, and the thing that I, I struggle with is that we, you know, talking about the identity, I talk a lot about identity issues. I talk a lot about crisis of living in high proximity to whiteness. I talk a lot about, um, you know, the lack of a robust, loving black and brown community. And that is evident for anyone who can show up to Eugene and go, this is what the black folks are. This is what it, you know, you don't, you don't have that here. And that's actually harmful. It's, it's damaging when you're in such high proximity to something that doesn't reflect you. So building community um, is not any, is not a simple task. And for white folks who are trying to get into the groove of this, right, they're, they're having to do this without robust community to see how this works out. So it's all of us who are, who know what it means to start it from, from gra- uh, grassroots, that know what it means that we are, there is love here. There are black people here. There are Latin people here. There are indigenous people here who are able to lead the way um, or if not lead, because that's not the position they really want, they're here in community, right? Um, and it's just a weird phenomenon about Oregon where it just feels like we're not here. It's just like, where is everyone at? And then all of a sudden you go, you been, how long you've lived here? 15 years? Girl, what? Like, and we're like, wait, did we go to the same school? Did we know each other? Did we, like, you know, and so it's like, it's just an insane, it's a weird vortex that, that kind of keeps us not in tune. So the, the fact that y'all are reaching out to try to create relationship is more than a notion. And I want people to really understand um, the depths of this work here in Oregon, especially because it's just not, it's not average, right? We're working from a very difficult space. So um, Mo, you are the equity and access coordinator, which I believe lead, this leads right into that um, in a very well. <laughs> so please tell us what that's about. I really like to answer this question by saying like, well, it depends on what day it is. (laughs) Um, So basically in the current kind of moment, um, there's one person in the county, like there's a full-time regular status employee, which becomes important when we talk about this COVID response, um, who has equity written into their title. And that's me. Um, I've been doing this job in this office for about four and a half years. I've been in the county for 14. Mm -hmm. Um, My hope is that in the next budget cycle or the one after, we will get more staff. Um, That's not to say there's not other folks in the county that are working on it. It just, I mean, I say this all the time to any leadership that will listen. It just means that when those other staff get pulled away to do their, uh, their, their actual job, the work is still there and they may not be involved. Um, So my work is internal, my work is external. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked about policy, we talk about um, community relationships. I staff the equity and access advisory board. Um, 
I'm part of the COVID branch, the equity branch that's brand new in our COVID response. It's like, I want to say it's three or four weeks old. It's brand new. Wow. Um, and then like every good bureaucrat, other duties as assigned. So whatever comes up on any given day, um, you know, I get, right. to, yeah. <laughs> I get to manage. Um, and then I wanted to like, before, I'm, I bet you have questions about what I said, but I also don't want to forget um, that one of the things that's so interesting about, you know, Jason's, I don't know, ability to recognize that he can't do it all and that he can't reach out to our communities and to then work with the the leadership of the Emergency Operations Center or the EOC um, to, to hire positions to actually do that is that one of the one of my hopes at least is that we're actually starting to build relationships that that are like based on the organization and not on people right so like i have relationships with all sorts of people in this community and if and when i leave lane county i take those relationships with Mm. right and so the more we can work to get more and more of us in the organization to have strong you know, meaningful relationships, which takes time, right? Yes. The more people will trust the county as much or even close to as much as they do the individuals. And that's like my long-term hope is that is that we get more of us doing things like Ola and Martin who, you know, specifically are asked to be that bridge and be that translator between, you know, community with regards to requests. Right now it's about COVID, but we all know there were health inequities before that. Mm. Um, and there will be after that, right? So bringing folks in who are members of the community to actually help translate community wants and needs is is huge. And I hope that hope we can find ways to keep that. Yeah, you know, you bring up an excellent point, and I and it's funny because this is all coming back. Like I, I, I talk about anti racism and all the time, like all the damn time. And right, so anti racism, and I talk about exactly what you just said. It can't be me. It can't be you. It can't be Ola. Like, a matter of fact, if we were all gone, it, Jason has to be able to create a culture of anti-racism. It's not about being anti-racist. I mean, it is and it isn't. Because when you leave, all your connections and all your people who are like, where was Mo? That's who I talk to. Oh, I don't know you. I'm not comfortable with talking to you. I, Me and Mo always talked. It's been 14 years me and Mo been talking. Like, I... I don't know. That's that's actually not okay, right? Like it has that's to be harmful. it's harmful, right? And not only to them, but to you. Right? So it's yeah. we talked about this in very in a in a, a just in another session I just did literally like people who white folks who get, have the information go, "We have someone for you to talk to. Go talk to them." That's not the point of this, right? That's not the point of this. The point of it is, is that when they come to you, they can also be, as a white person, they can also be treated with just much uh, knowledge, uh, knowledgement, respect, um, being heard and, and being seen, just as if Mo was standing right next to you or Ola was standing right next to you and they were speaking to They need to know that wherever they go in this space, that respect for their culture, ethnicity, their, their lived experience, right? So that's that's the part where I think a lot of people miss it. It's like it doesn't lived experience is more valuable than anybody's PhD when it comes to knowing what the heck they need and how they're going to move through the world and what the county can do for them. Their lived experience, right? So if they can't be heard in that space, we're not doing anything 
We're not doing anything. We're checking boxes, which we all know checking boxes, what that's done for us, right? So, uh, yeah, so I I love what you're saying because it's not about the person. It's about the culture. And obviously, you know, when you can have uh, black and brown indigenous folks coming through to to, uh, honor the culture, to, uh, to bring the culture, but it cannot be laid on the shoulders of those folks as if when they're there, that is the culture. No, 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 right? Um, it, white folks right. still well, got to step into and, it. And we need to be allowed to leave, right? Like, we yes. need to be allowed to travel. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, when it becomes our job. Like, I, I say all the time, you know, I've been working real hard in therapy. But like, it's not my job to do it. It's my job to guide it. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, yeah. you know, the more we can get more of us doing it so that when we get tired, which we do, we can take a break and not feel like we're making it so the work doesn't move or like feeling all of the black and brown people that has ever yeah no that's a big and i think people um i love that talking about all your positions because when people talk about the government and they just go they it's 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 like one or the other they flip back and forth and i know this intimately because like i said i've been in a position where it's like at one moment one minute it's me and they're talking like oh Aisha's and then all of a sudden i'm government and then then i I don't count as a person anymore (laughs) and i'm just like this evil government thing and i'm like wait but weren't we just like cool like no no we're not we're not cool you're just government like oh okay so it's like it becomes where it that happens right and so i think in something like the vaccine something like covid something like this outreach of, of communication creating a relationship I think it's important to understand that people are behind these these uh, titles, right? You, there's people, and and as I said, I don't know if we were on online, I mean, on live or not on live, but deconstructing white supremacy uh, is different for everyone, but it ha- is necessary for everybody, right? And that's black and brown indigenous people too. We have to deconstruct our own relationship to white supremacy because we do have one, right? And it's a pretty thick one, and right. <laughs> What were we, we saying? Well, what were we saying? Ola? I said we were born into it just as like everyone else, so we have to deconstruct it as well. That's right. Yeah. That's right. It's a different relationship to it, and the, how it's come to us is different than white folks, and there's different outcomes for it. But all of us are deconstructing white supremacy if we're trying to create an anti-racist culture. So that that's just facts, right? There's nothing. No one got. No one. In the United States, no one globally got out of white supremacy. No, everyone got it. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's how it is. Um, and so I with that being said, I want to talk about uh, just like I said, I wanted to make sure that everyone could see you guys as people. You you said, Mo, 14 years. Jason, how long did you say? 20 years with the government, with the county? No, 10 years, uh, roughly with the county. And uh, it was 20 years. With the Okay, yeah. and then we've got Ola. How many years? Um, I've been working with Lane County since January, but uh, I've worked in other government organizations. I worked for a for Multnomah County before. Oh, good. Well, you know, I mean, hey, you know what? I remember when people used to come in and we'd be like, "Oh, they're so excited!" Like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> but I love uh, you. Have a really good team. You have a really good team, and you you come in in such a great time where people are really trying to like. We, this doesn't, this looks antiquated now, right? Like things look just doesn't fit anymore. So this is excellent. I love it. Okay. So, um, now you were, we were talking about something called the EOC emergency outreach center. Is operations. That, operations. Yeah. Okay. Oper, what did I call? I said outreach. Okay. Operations. So tell me more about that. Anybody, all of y'all, I don't care. Well, 
How you like that, Ola? Oh, <laughs> she was drinking something, Jason. Okay, go ahead, Ola. Okay. <laughs> I can, I guess. Um, so, so the emergency operations center is basically uh, uh, Lane County as a governmental entity's response to COVID. And so uh, what we do is we act as sort of a convener of all these different efforts that are happening in the community to deal with COVID and the different impacts of COVID, whether that be you know, someone is not working and so they can't put food on the table. So we work with community partners to make sure we know who those people are and then help them get food on the table. Um, sometimes it's people don't have a place to um, quarantine. They don't have a home to quarantine or they live in a home where they don't have space to get away from other people. Mm-hmm. So we make sure that they have a place to, to do that. Um, we, as, as Ola was talking about our community-based organizations, a lot of those organizations are doing a lot of this work. Mm-hmm. And so what we want to do is they make, we want to make sure they have the resources. We want to make sure we know what they're doing so we can help if, if they need help. And we have that communication and rapport. At the same time, we're doing the, the, the mass vaccination aspect of, of the vaccination effort. So um, while all these smaller clinics are going on and while people are going to pharmacies and getting their uh, vaccination, we're doing those big drive-through events. Yeah. Um, and just taking the doses that the feds and the state sends us and get them into their arms as fast as possible. Um, and, 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 and it's just really looking at that full picture and trying to hit all the different pieces and make sure that we're covering it. COVID has really illuminated um, the disparities that we knew they were there, but it's just like when you're in school and you read something in a textbook and you're like, oh yeah, there's such and such war someplace or whatever. And then you see it and it's like, oh my God, here it is like rolling out. And that's what COVID has done. It has shown us you know how these little barriers what we think are little barriers like oh the bus schedule doesn't line up with the time that you're doing such and such how that can completely put like someone you know just no access whatsoever to that service that we're providing so um that has really been illuminating and that's what the eoc has kind of expanded to be initially it was just about oh shoot there's this um virus that's spreading around the world and we gotta do something about it. We gotta stop it, we gotta slow it down. What are we gonna do? That's how the EOC started. And then now it's like, how are we gonna keep our community together? How are we going to address the inequity? How are we gonna make sure that our entire community comes out of COVID on a, on a good foot, you know, and, and, and try to do things that encourage that. Um, but I think I, I need to underscore the fact that what Lane County is, is a convener. A lot of the work is being done by individual community organization and individuals and volunteers and all kinds of people. And what we're doing is we're making sure that there's no gaps, there's no things missing. And then we're understanding what people are doing and not doing. I wanna just add to that, that the structure of the EOC is based on something called incident command structure, which is like, it's based in FEMA, like it's federal government structure so it's very hierarchical um and so and so there's i just wanted to like call attention to that because i think i said in my intro that we've had an equity branch for about three maybe four weeks um because that's not a part of incident command structure that exists like across the country we added that um and granted that should have happened earlier and i'm stoked that it's happening now so i just want to call attention to the fact that it's like 
I mean, it feels very militaristic at times. There's like a logistics chief and a planning chief and an equity officer because you can't call an equity person a chief because that's his words matter. Right. Um, so, so I wanted to say that. I also wanted to say that one of the things that our EOC is doing is doing these, um, and I think Ola is going to talk about this later, but our like targeted outreach and community events. So we're doing the mass vaccine events, but we're also doing like small um, community events, working with like employers, community-based organizations, like really focusing on folks that either can't get to the big events, who don't feel safe going to the big events for a variety of reasons, um, or who are just like, I don't know, who work weekends and will never make it. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I don't remember my last thing, but those are those are kind of the two things I wanted to just like highlight. No, I think it's important to know. I, you know, it's interesting thinking about the, the what you're saying going into this, being that like the work that you guys are doing behind the scenes, like you know the, what it sounds like and what it feels like, and then what it what it looks like on the outside. And it sounds like to me what it looks like on the outside is this equity person, and then Ola, like the liaison, you're getting. Now, what I'm what I'm wondering is, um, so Jason told not Jason, sorry, uh, Martin told me something that I was like that I didn't I had no idea, and I and I want to make sure that it's something that um, people know about, and then we can go more into that outreach part. Is that is it true that like let's say um, somebody who is in a space that perhaps um, may not feel like the people are able to make it to the the clinic or you know the drive-in clinic or the weekend or whatever that they can actually say this part of my community needs um needs vaccines and you guys can set up something in that space like let's i'm i'm assuming like i'm trying to like imagine like maybe there's uh, apartments that are low income and most people don't have work or vehicles or whatever people are sick and they're like, hey, we need vaccines here and no one's able to get to those places or we're not comfortable going to those places. We need someone here. They can call you up and you guys will set up tent there. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're actually starting to work on these mobile um, targeted strategies that are going to be informed by data because data is very, very, when you're doing equity work, it's very important. So we're going to be doing, we've done a couple of two, couple of different strategies. Um, so folks can reach out to us who might be in a harder to reach community or area and say like, hey, we have, you know, 15, 20 folks here who speak, you know, an indigenous language like mom or something. We, we have a large population in South Lane County. So we've been working with organizations to actually go into the communities and host a clinic there in something that's a little bit more intuitive to the culture, to the groups of folks, to, you know, the neighborhood. Um, and we've been successful with that. We did an event last week or the week before with the ADPI community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we did that at a little bit slower. It was still at Lane Event Center, which is one option but it was inside a building so it was a walk-in situation we had translators available we had folks that were well-versed in trauma-informed care so as to not re-traumatize folks who you know might be have you know have a hard time being comfortable with the vaccine experience because this is a lot like what a time to be alive honestly of having to get this back and have to go through steps so we just want to acknowledge and understand that the mass vax clinics that have come from the EOC structure that is very militarized and hierarchical works great for speed. So we can get lots of folks vaccinated very fast. 
but that um, setting isn't always conducive for everyone or welcoming for everyone. Um, you know, we have a lot of different folks in our communities that might have accessibility issues. So being able to so sit and address lots of folks vaccinated very fast, but that um, setting isn't always conducive for everyone or welcoming for everyone. Um, you know, we have a lot of different folks in our communities that might have accessibility issues. So being able to sit in a drive, lots of folks vaccinated very fast, but that, um, sorry, we got the double feed again. Go ahead. <laughs> sorry. Um, so, so we're just, you work very closely with communities to understand what the needs are. I mean, I, I've been working closely with the African Association of Eugene and Lane County, and they're a group of folks that have a job Monday through Friday from eight to five, can't necessarily, you know, go into on the weekends and do that thing. So can we hold an event with, um, you know, at a smaller location that feels better, that makes folks feel comfortable and honestly serve it as like a re-entry into whatever our new normal is going to be as a celebration of life and the resilience of our communities. So that's the goal for these smaller teams is to not re-traumatize, to slow down and to make it of like, what a year we've gotten through it. And this is one more thing so that we can get back into um, you know, having our communities come back together in that force of solidarity so that we are a force as like, you know, these pockets of community that people, people are like, do y'all exist here? Yes, we exist here. We're alive and we're ready to be re-entry and we're ready, you know, to, yeah. to what makes our place vibrant. That's amazing. Cause I, to be really honest, I went to one of the big tent places and I was freaked out, man. It looked like, so I was like, Oh my God, it was so intimidating. I mean, people, so when we drove up to it, right, um, my daughter's scared of needles anyway. And and so it wasn't it wasn't good. It was like dragging, you know, she's just like, oh, God, right. And no matter what we were talking about. And then the poor girl got sick, like <laughs> so trying to bring her to the second one was like uh, trying to talk her into it. But um, so knowing that it, I could have done that in a smaller venue would have made a lot of difference, to be honest, like. I had no idea that was an option. And I mean, I know I could have gone to like the NAACP or I could have gone, um, you know, but it still feels like knowing, ha know, having the knowledge that people understand the trauma that it, that people of color are, are actually putting aside, right? Mm -hmm. We're like carrying it on our shoulder to walk into this place and get this shot. And so I, one of the people actually even said, you know, um, well, most people are super happy to get the shot. And we were like, we're not not happy to get the shot. That's not what we're saying. <laughs> we're just like, give us a moment. <laughs> right? You know I'm like, I, used to, I have so many questions about what day and time and lane you were in. I know. So uh, but look, I don't know. Because I we were sitting there, like, I was like gripping my seat. Like, I was gripping my, mm -hmm. uh, my wheel. Like, oh, you know. And it was fun because, I mean, it was funny because one of my best friends was across the way from me. And I was like, girl, you're here too. And she's like, if anybody starts to run, I'm running too. Right? I was like, I was like, I was like yes, right, right, we're ready. So, I mean, we were there and we're joking, but we're, we, and she works for the government right now, right? So I just, I keep saying that because I want people to understand that this is a human situation, right? Even though we're talking in government terms and we're talking about, uh, you know, logistics of reaching out, this is still very much a human experience on both sides. You're over here on this side, and I can't imagine that everybody in your family is like, yay, vaccine, like, yay, we're going to go get shots. And at the same time, you are over here trying to make it as equitable and as, as 
comfortable and as feasible for people to get it when I, I I'm just I'm just gonna blanketly say I doubt that everybody in your family is stoked on getting this vaccine right so yeah 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 completely right you're completely right with that too so that's why we're trying to have the smaller events that are slower paced you can sit down you can ask as many questions as you want to we really want to meet folks where they are and uh, help them make the decision that feels good for them you know having folks to be able to call and communicate ask the questions and then when they're ready to go to the event that's them the best we're working on some smaller events too that hopefully we can send hopes um, send folks home with a, a dinner because we know that vaccination the first thing you're probably going to do is not going to want to cook you know take care of yourself it was a hard decision because that in itself is a barrier if you're a single mom and you have to make sure that there's food on the table for your kids what are you going to do? Do I go get the shot and then I'm sick and laid up for a day? Or do I get the shot and, you know, be able to make a right decision or the healthy decision that I know that will in the long term help our families, you know, get through this together. So just small. That says so much right there because that Mm -hmm. right there is understanding community, bringing Mm -hmm. food to to people. Cause this is why me and my, I have two daughters at home. Me and my youngest daughter got the shot, but my oldest daughter has three kids and she did not get the shot because she was like, how am I not going to go to work for three days? Well, she's looking at us laid out. Like we're laid out. And my, my youngest daughter is just dramatic as you look, Oscar's coming. Right. So like, she, I mean, she is like, just, oh God. so I mean, so my oldest daughter is looking at her like, how am I going to do that for three days when I have and now, you know, and I can, now that we were vaccinated, I can watch the babies while she does that, but she still has to miss three days of work, right? Mm-hmm. And I have to miss three days of what I do because I'm watching three children that are, you know, under the age of three. So it's like I have, so it's a lot. And so having, you know, just having meals made for those people, right, is mm-hmm. amazing, is amazing, mm-hmm. you know? So um, uh, I think that's a, a real, I think that's a real connection to the reality of what it means after you leave the tent right and that experience it will tell you how much people are coming back because i know people who didn't go back for the second one because they were not they didn't feel like they were informed they did not know how sick they would be and they were like why would i do this voluntarily like these are these people don't know you know i can't i'm asking questions and they're like we're still trying to figure it out like they're not giving the right answers to give me any, uh, like confidence. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's, uh, there's a lot of accusations, uh, accusations of like wh- how it was tested, you know, how, uh, who it was tested on, you know, those type of mm-hmm. things. And all of it's very reminiscent mm-hmm. of, of past and know, current, past and, and current, current <laughs> very, very dangerous practices that still, no matter what we're talking about, whether it's, it's disproportionately affecting black and brown communities. And so it's, it's legitimate. So I really appreciate that personal touch. I mean, just honestly, like just literally just giving food after you've got the shot is a personal touch. Now, if it's prepared food, they can pick, cook it real easy or it's already prepared. That's even better. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what we're doing. To, to go container. Yes. There you got your meal. Every <laughs> That to yeah. me is ama- that's amazing. I, and I'm going to tell my daughter and be like, look, maybe you can go get the stuff. Maybe it's possible over a weekend and, and take a couple of days off. How, have you guys g- gotten any pushback around that about like p- 
people who, I mean, I, I don't know if this is even your, your jurisdiction, but like uh, uh, people who aren't, aren't going to get the shot that because they are missing work or not be, having the work be able to give them those days to recover from the shot or has that come, is that anything that y'all would come across or deal with? Or not really, huh? I feel like we will. Mm. Um, and I feel like we're still at this point where there are so many folks who are excited to get the shot that like we're not we're not at that hesitancy tipping point. We'll get there. Um, and then we're gonna need to track down folks who would like to get it, but the barriers are things that we can address, right? Um but I don't think, like, beyond anecdotal stuff, I don't, I haven't heard much. But you're making me think, like, hmm, maybe we should contact folks who, like, specialize in cooking, like, family dinners and, you know, get some of those. I think um, it's an excellent idea. Yeah. I want to also just say that, like, if if there are community groups or, like, like you said, like, apartment complexes or whatever, that I think 25 is the smallest amount that we can you know, take a mobile clinic to a place. If there are folks who want to do that um, and can't access the vaccine otherwise, Ola and I are good points of contact um, to get that kind of, because we got it, we have a big giant calendar that we have to get things on. But um, but yeah, so if you want to provide our emails and the, I don't, know, I don't know how podcasts work. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I actually did. I um, you give me your emails and I will put it onto the show notes and people will email you. Um, and it's oh. funny because I, I definitely do that and I I don't think a lot of people use it. But so don't worry, you're not going to get like flooded with a thousand emails or anything. But I think it's good to have the information there in case someone says, I you know what I heard it one time. Let me go back. So yeah, if y'all can uh, even text me or email me or I'll ask Martin to to give me that information and I'll put it into the show notes. And so people can contact you directly. Jennifer did that um, actually about the statistics so that they would have any questions about statistics to contact her um, about the data. Um, so Jason, I want to ask you this question. If um, while those, I, being that culturally competent, right? We're trying to make this a culturally competent experience. Um, and folks who are, are coming through in these mobile, um, uh, pop-up vaccination spaces and I, and just assuming that you know these are small groups of people of color I mean I'm sure there's not all that but like in that space are we doing anything to make sure the people who are there are actually culturally competent or are we just sending out the best that we got at the moment we have it and sending them out there and hoping it works out <clears throat> well you know uh, I, I think we're it's probably a mixture to be honest mm -hmm. um, I think that uh, certainly Cultural competency is something that we're always trying to a instill within every you know person that works at the county. I mean, there's definitely an effort towards that, but then also making sure that if you're going to be reaching into communities who have you know that historical distrust or trauma, that we're not putting people in there that don't feel as if they are cultural compet culturally competent or don't have a personal connection or haven't been doing this work for a while. You know, I think um, uh, Ola has been boots on the ground for more of these uh, small clinics. Um, I'm actually immunocompromised and I haven't been really out of my house and uh, well, since this whole thing began uh, mm -hmm. much. Um, so I haven't had the opportunity to be actually be physically down at some of these clinics, but I do know that the majority of the people I know that are working at them are people who do this work, who, mm -hmm. who um, either are part of the community themselves, 
um, or are passionate about uh, equity work in general and making sure that we don't uh, re-traumatize or create barriers in the process of trying to tear down barriers. But one thing uh, uh, that I, I, when you were talking, I thought was really, it, it kind of stood out to me and, and it, was, it was sort of a moment that I remember having an aha moment about the, the uh, meals. You know, you were talking about, um, you know, your, your daughter and the work schedule and having to take the time. Um, one thing that, that, that we in government often do is, um, you know, people will say, well, you know, there's these barriers and then we start brainstorming. Well, maybe we could do this or maybe we could do that or maybe we could do that. And what I've seen happen in COVID more than ever in my career is instead of brainstorming, you sit down and say, what are they, what, what is the solution that people are saying? What, how, how can we listen to them? What do they need? And then there's that dialogue and discourse. And a lot of that conversation is really happening because of the community-based organizations, because we have this actual, like almost statutory schedule to talk to people, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We don't do that all the time. Now, Mo kind of does that in, in her role, but as an organization, we don't do that, mm -hmm. you know? So actually creating space for Lane County to be represented at the table with decisions on how we're going to um, uh, meet people's needs and then hearing what some of those ideas are and hearing what the barriers are um, and then sort of putting forth potential solutions rather than just saying, well, let me let me go back to the things that we did in 2013. Oh, there's an idea. Uh, you know, it's like that's not going to actually solve problems. You know, um, and then, you know, another thing I think, too, is is just recognizing that there are barriers and there are historical traumas, but then there are also like community-wide concerns, right? Some of the things why people are nervous about getting the vaccine, like, you know, the safety of the vaccine, that's something that is shared by all sorts of people. So we have to address, you know, sort of multiple levels and multiple layers of anxiety and, and, and you know, reticence when it comes to the vaccine. It's, it, when I start talking about this, I'm like, whew, oh, geez, how are we gonna do this? <laughs> you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's I I know it's it's not a little. I mean, it ain't little. Like this is not. No. <laughs> it's a freaking pandemic. Like I mean, yeah. I, you know, and it's it's um, it's in, it's absolutely. I take a moment. I'm like, it's absolutely insane that we're a year in, and yeah. it feels like yesterday and four years all at the same time, right? Like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's May second, and I when it was when, when it turned May first. When it was May first, I was like, "We're in May!" Like I literally was like, "Wait, hold on!" I had to like look twice because it just it didn't. Not time is not not for happening right now for me, and right. so yeah, and so being like you said, immune compromised. I actually have a, a family family members, uh, one who I'm who lives uh, in Hawaii, and I'm actually going there to take care of her and actually have to bring her back here which oh, wow. is unfortunate <laughs> because you know hawaii is hawaii but like we yeah. have to like you know move her back here and i'm vaccinated but she can't get vaccinated right she they actually will not right you know that so and we have to move her through the airport into the plane so it's very like all these so as you were talking and because i'm an idea person um so i i was thinking like this whole uh, this whole idea about incentive, you know what I mean? Um, and with people who are like my daughter who works in a space, um, 
that won't necessarily be like, yeah, take four days off. It's all good uh, for you to be sick if you're sick and all that kind of stuff. But I'm wondering, like, is there any kind of initiatives of partnership with these community partners that have received government money or received grant money or money from the federal government in the in the millions that are talking about anything about partnering with, like, actually paying uh, employers? Like, I, I'm thinking, like, in, in our government world, how when we have medical leave, we can do FMLA and we can do OFLA and we can do long-term disability. And if you want to take short-term disability, they pay you a certain percentage of your check and then the employer gets the other percentage. I'm wondering, like, if there's any kind of, um, like, direction that perhaps these small businesses could actually, like, say, hey, I have employees that want to get the shot. We can't afford to have them off. They can't afford to be gone. But we would like to be able to give them 70% of their check while they go do that for four days, right? Um, and we get the other thir- uh, four, uh, 30 and we get that money from somewhere else. That, to me, feels like if it was a, a vaccine incentive to help these small businesses um, with some of that millions that we just got, be like, yeah, show a check stub and a, and a manager's approval and he- let, and we can do that for you. We get the check in the mail in the same kind of fashion that that when we lost work, we were getting uh, stipends from the, from public health and people were paying people's rents and stuff like that. I feel like there's there's an opportunity for folks like my daughter who's you know m- making sixteen dollars an hour, working a small job, doing her thing. Like that her employer can say, I'm going to lose my employee for four days, twice in one month, right? And she needs the paycheck and I need the missed, you know. So 70% of her income, right, and 30% to me and she can go get that vaccine. No love loss on your days off because they don't get PTO in these small jobs. You know what I mean? Someone who works as a cashier or someone, you know, bartista, the PTO is not a thing necessarily, but getting the vaccine and losing work is. So it's that, that kind of idea. So I don't know. Is there something, anything like that? And if you guys take that idea, I want 10%. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm like, I want to take that idea. I don't know. Is anything well, happening like that? No. I, I, have not, I have not heard anything. But just as Mo sort of articulated, I think it's a great idea. And I think that, you know, that's the kind of creative thinking that we need more of. And, you know, we need to have these conversations. One thing I think that, that both Mo and Ola can probably attest to is that so often in government work, you don't have the time to sit down and just talk about ideas right. and talk about possibilities, right? Because of that policy, because of the statutes. Um, and, and, and you go into that conversation thinking, no, there's only one way we can do this. But, you know, another thing that COVID's taught us, I think, is, well, why can't we? What are, what are the barriers, right? So... 2020, wasn't that something? It told you, oh, yeah, you can do it differently, by the way. Yeah, right. <laughs> or we don't know if we can do it different, but let's try it out and see if we get fired. Right. You know? <laughs> and then it turns out it works and, and we're still here. So it's good. Yeah. Right. And then you get the whole, we were the first to do it. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I understand it. Okay, um, I think we touched on most of what we want to talk about, vaccination. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that y'all want to talk about? We still have time to do that if you want. Nothing? We did everything? I know, I'm, like looking at, I'm looking at my notes. Okay, I, good. Do it. I found that I wanted, I, you know, one of the things that's like, 
I'm gonna say exciting, but I don't wanna I don't want you to think I mean that a pandemic is exciting. <laughs> but one of the things that's exciting is that um, you know, we have this real opportunity to change what I've been just calling our muscle memory for what happens during um an emergency. And that's I mean, that's what keeps me coming back every day, even though I'm exhausted, is like, okay, wait, the next time we do, if we do this right, our status quo will change. Mm -hmm. And if we do this right, the way that we address big and small emergencies in the future will look different because we don't fall back onto this way that we are currently doing things, right? We fall back on something better because we've gotten so much better at doing it. Um, And I just, you know, I just want to say that that's like, a really exciting idea to me um, that the government might actually shift the way that we do work because I mean it's becoming more and more clear that we don't have a choice I, I understand what you mean by not sounding excited about a pandemic especially when shit going down in India right now is doing what it's doing and it's I, it's not, I don't even know the word for that like it's so horrifying um, right. And at the same time, right, and slash, this is what is crazy about 2020, 2021, and 2022, is that we can also have this ingenuity on the other side of this dev- devastation, right? And it is, it's, who said it earlier? It, this is a wild time to be alive, right? We've got, we've got pandemic. We've got social justice. Like, we've got a civil rights movement happening. We've got, you know, um, the gender equity, like on the front lines, we've got trans identity coming through. Like, I mean, this is like a wild and beautiful and devastating all of this. And, and what does that all say? That are all key words for transformation, right? Yep. There, we could not do what we did in 2019 right now. It just won't work. Yep. It, it, I mean, you can try, <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be wasting energy that you're going to need for 2022 because we are not done. You know? <laughs> so it's, I mean, and I think it's pretty evident for most people. Like, we're not, we can't go back. It's only forward. Yeah. So I appreciate that. I, I do. Is, oh, go ahead. Oh, this is like true, like science fiction. Like, we have to imagine the world that we're going to live in in order for us to be viable in the future. And right now is the time to do it. So, I mean, I always say start at our wildest ideas where there's unicorns with vaccines going around giving it to people. And then we work our way back to what actually happens in this time and place. Because holy moly, yeah. to be what the history books are going to say about this time, I'm. I'm wondering, right? I'm wondering. Yeah, it's it's I I love that approach because I think that that idea of reimagine is under fire, right? Is and people but it's the truth. You got it. And I I noticed that when you ask people to imagine, like what you're saying, Jason, like we don't get to do this in government work. You'll sit down and go, "What are we going to do?" Like you don't get to do have that hour, right? And they're like, "Do it on your lunch." And <laughs> as soon as your lunch is over, stop. So, it's like so this thing is like I, I feel it's important because that that's the, what you actually need now because nothing that you're doing before is going to work. So reimagining or deconstructing completely and recreating is absolutely necessary. We can't have, like, I don't understand a, a person um, in a position like you, Jason, and people like you, Mo and Ola, in a position together that the understanding it would take in terms of community outreach, in terms of, of uh, 
uh, government understanding and policy to be able to get together and with with civil rights being what it is in this country at this moment, with the uh, disparities of uh, food disparity and economic disparity and job disparity be what it is at this moment, and get together and try to do the same kind of dynamics that you had in, in 2018. It, what would you be doing at the table? Like, there would be nothing to be said. There would be nothing but toxicity at that table, right? So yeah. it's... So I think to try to come back and actually be able to do the job, right, effectively and have the efficacy be evident, it, it would need to be that you come and have a conversation and be able to have an hour of like, where's the unicorns? Like, are we bringing them? Like, what's the most, the most imaginary, you know, the, most, the biggest idea you have and then bring it down, right? Um, and this is something I do with my nonprofit and that I literally like when I'm talking to organizations, I'm talking to kids who I'm like, if you didn't have to do anything like you do it, what would you do? And all the time they're like, uh, it's, it's like a pause. It's almost kind of scary to think of how to do things a different way. <laughs> You're like, so you mean, and they're asking, so you mean I can do anything? And I'm like, <laughs> anything. They're like. Okay, but when you say anything, you mean, like, I'm like, like, actually, any, right? Whatever you want. And they're like, oh, my God. Like, it takes a minute, right? But this is 2020, 2021. Um, and that's how I feel. 2022 is like, what did we do with that? What do we do? 2020 was like, what the heck's going on in 2021? Like, what are you going to do with it? And 2022 is what did you do with it? What what happened? Which is what it is now, right? Yeah. Yeah, you say, Jason? I remember having that conversation with Mo a year ago uh, when we were like talking about. I, I was I was telling Mo I think I, I said you know uh, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of potential that's happening right now because this is an emergency operation because we're so focused on one goal um, that we have the opportunity to uh, really expand and extrapolate what that goal is, help our leadership and help our community understand that the way in which we've accomplished these kind of public health goals in the past don't include the entire community and then posit the question well what what will it take to include the whole community ah funny you should ask right you know i think mo has some ideas i think ola has some ideas let's talk about those and even though i you know like i said the work's just beginning it's that's happening and more than i've ever seen in my entire career where people are saying, well, what do we have to do? Right. You know, what will it take? Rather than saying, well, I don't know. Well, we got we to gotta focus in on, on just getting shots in arms right now, you know? And there's still a little bit of that mentality. But, I'm like, I hear that at least once a day. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's still there. It's still there. Like, you know, when it, when it comes through the, the, top, the top people, if you approach them and you say, listen, we're not serving our entire community. The response right. that I've gotten is, really? Well, what will it take? Right. You know? So and that's exciting. That's not that's not the solution, but that's a start. Well, you know how I see that. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say the openness to even having that conversation. That part. That part. I feel like what's happening is that there's a really that 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 glacier is is like there's some there you see beads of water. Like you're like, oh, it's breaking down, right? Beads. I didn't say a waterfall, right? It, it ain't it pieces aren't breaking off yet. But like the beads of water are coming, you know, and the pressure is it the it can't go on the same, right? right. 
Um, and I think more folks like you, Jason, to talk to other people who are not who are afraid of this change um, in the ways that you know how to speak that language to get the the people who are not seeing that equity that equitable approach to solution is the only way that this will actually work in a six in a in a way that brings the efficacy up and the and the um, and the disparity down is that we have. Not that we have black and brown people at the table, because that's actually not the solution, I don't think. What I do think is that we have to those people who are at the table, black, brown, and indigenous, are heard and are listened to. And and what they're said is written down as they've said it. (laughs) And when it's played out, they are also in the role of, of making sure that it stays culturally competent. Not that we bring delivery you know, of brown people and then white people get to say what it looks like for them. That and they get to turn it and change it and go, Oh, this is how the government does it. We like your idea, we'll take one tenth of that and then make it into this is that's not the same. So being able to say, Yes, we don't this is new for us. Tell us what to do. Where should we be putting our money? Where should we be putting our pe where should we go? That is yeah. amazing approach. And I want the whole public to understand that Lane community, Lane County public health is working in that direction, which is massive. It's a massive thing to say and do. Um, but I also want the reality of it to be what it is. It's not like you're going to walk in and it's going to be like, you know, kumbaya, everybody is on stage. No. We're, we're, this is a process, right? And we got to work, we got to put some positivity towards the progress and still have enough, you know, enough capacity to know that it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be exactly what we think it should be. That's where the ideas come in, Ola, right? This is where the bring it in. Like, tell us what you want. Bring the unicorns. Bring the, bring the ideas that you can pay employees, uh, employers to let their people and their employee, uh, employees to go get the shots, right? Like, those ideas. I hope y'all wrote that down because it was a good idea. I'm just oh, saying. <laughs> okay, just say, you know, in that little thing, buy Black Girl from Eugene. I, that's all I'm saying. That's all I want. Okay. <laughs> But I mean, you know, to have to have that kind of uh, um, real on the ground, like this is what I would need to get it done. I'm, I want to get the shot. I'm not getting the shot because y'all ain't hearing me on the real, real. Like I can't lose my job. Right. Period. You know, and so um, I think I love it. I'm, I'm actually the fact that y'all do mobile dispatch to me. Uh, for people just saying this community right here is not getting shots. We need shots over here. And you guys say how many people? They say 25 people. You're like, we're on our way. They say 15 and you hopefully can say, can you get 10 more and we'll be on our way. Right. That to me is like that's real connection to the community and the community being able to advocate for space that that they feel like they don't have a voice in. Right. They're forgetting about us out here. You, this is, I want everyone to hear clearly. You can call and get people out to you. That's amazing to me, you know? Um, and I, I appreciate that approach. Cooked food, I appreciate that approach. That's real, that's real connection. So, and we want you to be a part of this because, you know, it's not, this, this honestly is not about vaccination. I mean, it is, but it's, it's about what the stakes are. And the stakes are, we have to make people feel safe in Lane County, mm-hmm. all people. Mm-hmm. We have to connect people with basic human rights, like health. And we have to have people of color part of public health, part of it. 
in every single step. That that has to happen. And and whatever we do right now, that's the recipe to how we get there. So we better damn well make sure that we're doing it right. Amen to that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's I mean, right? Right? Yes. So um I I just got, I just got excited that Jason said damn well. I know. <laughs> we got it. We got we're wearing the I <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, Jason. I apologize if that's not the <laughs> Oh, are you kidding? I think I've said it at least a couple times. I was hoping it rubbed off. I, I I'm glad. I'm <laughs> This is this is excellent. I love it. So okay. yeah, you're you're right, Jason. Is is the recipe right now going to make something edible for everyone or no? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're exactly right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's still a lot of work to be done. That's that's the daunting part, you know. I mean, we we in government, and you know this, uh, Aisha, and I, I know that Mo and Ola know it. We are very quick to go like this. Yeah, and be like, <laughs> we did it. Woo! Mission accomplished. Someone get a banner made. Can you get a banner made? <laughs> like, no, no, no. No, we we got to be able to celebrate a little bit, but that celebration is absolutely a moot point unless it leads to more action. Right, it should be the fuel that leads to the next step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know how it is when when you're. I don't know if any of y'all like run, or you see people like do run like running marathons and they get that water and they're like ah, and you think that they're not actually like enjoying it because they like splash it and drink it. That's a mini celebration as the marathon goes, right? That's that's. Unfortunately, people are wanting the cake and the banner, but it's it's really the water in your face that you're like, oh, thank God, and you just keep on going. That's what this is like. There's this yeah. super funny meme of there's like it was earlier, like maybe last year, maybe October, and um, it was a white woman who was like, <laughs> I can't even say it without cracking up laughing. Like she was a white woman, and she was like, as if she was talking to someone else, and she's like, so yeah, we've marched and we've done all these things, and we've and we we. You know, I have my flag, and and I am. I've talked to my book club and my soccer moms, and and we're we're. This is a lot. Like this is a lot. So so um. So how long are we going to be doing this? Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, forever. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Like <laughs> dying. I was dying because it's like that thing. It's like they. It's like this idea of like this is a human rights issue mo- through COVID, through pandemic, through vaccine through economics, through all of these education, through, you know, food display, all the way through, it's hitting all of it. And this is something that's, a, if you're going to get in, it's one of those things I say in my in my little education uh, uh, series that I do. Once you see it, you really can't unsee it. So, and it's yeah. going to keep happening. Like, you're going to, it's all your life that this, this work continues to unfold, right? So, it's not about, you're right, you're right, there is no banner. Maybe, well, I don't know. It depends. But the splash of the water, you know, take it, drink what you can, and keep on moving. And you'll see how many people are moving with you. And that really is the reward when you start to realize that the race isn't just you. That it's, there's, there's a lot of people here who see it. Um, and like I said, everyone who's just joining into this, this human rights push, like, like in a real, real way, you know, like, welcome, right? <laughs> like, welcome. This has been a long time. If you ever want to know how to get through a marathon, ask a black woman, right? We will tell you what it means, right? Ask a Latin woman. Ask an ask a, um, indigenous woman how it, what it means to get through devastation and joy simultaneously. Right. And, and ask us if we have the bandwidth to answer you right now. Right? right. <laughs> well, i got to say thank you, though, to Aisha, to Ola, and to Mo for being, like, you know, when I said, hey, 
I want to join. You know, I want, I want to help. I want to do something. They said, okay, rather than saying, where the hell were you? Right. You know, and, and, and making me feel like, like you, you know, you, you haven't been a part of it. So therefore you, there are, I mean, everything in life, you know, virtually has that sort of like members only mentality. But what I've found in equity work is it's not as long as you're willing to like actually dig in and do it. It's like, come on in. Right. Enjoy it. Let's do it. Welcome. You know, and that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, I think that's the that what happens is where you're at is a little further along along the lines of doing the work, not putting the work on us to have like to teach. Like if you come in stumbling because you've been reading and you've been working and you've been uh, uh you know exposing putting yourself in in places of of um you know immersion and you've been doing this. I mean, you've just really been doing the work. You've actually started to look at your own self and how you come to the work that that's work that when people say do the work that's what they're talking about so we don't want people to come in and go what do i do i feel so bad i feel sick that we ain't got time for that we're working so when you come in and be like i've been doing work and i'd like to also work with y'all and i will be doing my own personal work over here we have all the seats for you like you know please have a seat because we need that it's about like not putting the work that you need to do on your own onto us. That's the part that people don't understand. They're like, well, where am I supposed to start? What am I supposed to do? What am I, what, how am I supposed to know? Look, Google. you're Google. grown. Like, right? Look, you're grown. Okay. <laughs> Just like you figured out how to ask me, you can figure out how to ask Google, right? So it's one of those things where when you're really invested, it actually takes, this is how we know when white folks are actually invested. They're not talking about us anymore. They're talking about themselves. That's how, when I know a white person is getting it, they start talking about how they show up, not about what we're doing. And now I'm like, oh, now you're on the right track because it's not about me. This whole idea is not about me. It's not about black community. It's not about Latin community. It's about white folks understanding their role and their piece and and how they show up. And so that's how I know when someone can have a seat at my table is when they're talking about themselves being like, I felt like, oh, okay, right? I I did this work. I have stepped aside. I oh okay now we have, and it's not about perfection. I know you're gonna mess up, right? Because you're, you're but that's not the point, right? <laughs> the point is not that you're perfect. The point is that you're working. So I don't know. Well, I'm speaking for me. Reasons for doing this, right? You know, I, I mean, there's there's obviously the good altruistic reasons, but I'm about ready to have my first child, my a daughter. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, how cool would it be if the term structural racism was only a memory, memory to her? Right. You know, how cool you is got, it? You got one month, Jason. <laughs> yeah, one month, that's all, right? Or just, you know, that like I, I, my parents, they're well-intentioned people. I, you know, I, I love uh, my parents growing up and everything. They weren't they were they were old enough to be part of the civil rights movement. They weren't part of it. Right. And you know how proud I would have been if they were? Right. You know? So I'm, I want to, I hopefully want my daughter to be able to say, oh, no, my dad did a lot of that. He was working with people. He, he tried. Yeah. You know? he, he wasn't perfect. He tried, though. You know, if, if, if that's what she can say, I'm like, that's, that's a good reason. You know, that's a really, besides all the other, you know, human reasons why we have to do this work. Just being a part some being a part of something that that is good and right and 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 just has to happen and just taking that leap and say you, you got to do it you know there's no room for for waiting now you know I think I don't know I no I I what do y'all think I think that's a perfect reason why I mean that is the reason why right yeah that's not 
my why. That's my reason. Yeah. I've got not Jason's baby, but I have my own. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right. It's funny because someone um someone just wrote to me, um, did I do it on my last? I don't know if I did. But anyway, somebody DM'd me, y'all, and it was ridiculous. And so it, and it was a man who was like, said that we, what did he say? He, oh, my God. I took, you know I took a picture. So I, because I was, I was actually like contemplating on whether I should bring it up as a conversation. But then I thought, you know what? I'm not going to bring it up as a conversation, but I am going to bring it up every time it comes up. So I, <laughs> this person, and it comes right to what you're saying. He wrote to me and he went, this is a white man. And he put, wow, period. Facebook just decided we should be friends. Okay, I'll bite. But how could we be friends when all you promote is black? Now, my picture, I am a black woman, right? So that's clear. I hope it's clear. You know what I'm saying? And so then I put, I doubt Facebook knows anything about whether people should be friends. And then I put, have a good evening either way. I wasn't going to engage with what he was baiting me with, right? Mm-hmm. And so then he he wrote exactly, and then he put your life, and then he had to continue. He had to harm, he had to put his his opinion onto me, right? Your life matters, my life matters. What separates us is not the pigment of our skin, but the color of our deeds and actions, blessings. Now, there's so much I could say about this. It's a whole yeah. damn podcast by itself. But, mm-hmm. but... My whole point is, is that when we have people thinking and having it in their household, that there's no such, the thing about black power doesn't mean anti-whiteness. Black, pro-black, pro-indigenous doesn't take away from anything else. It actually, like you said earlier, it expands and it opens the world to a reality of, of vast potential, Right. And so when people look at me and they say, oh, you're, you know, you're so pro-black, pro-black. And I say, actually, of course I'm pro-black. I'm a black woman. My children are black. Hello, right? But my background is actually multiculturalism, right? I lived in Central America. My parents lived there 30 years. My first exposure to actual other culture besides my black family was Latin culture, right? And then from Latin culture, I went to Samoan culture and lived there for some time. Then I went down to the South and I lived in the Southern, which is different. <laughs> so I lived in the South for like many years and then I came back. So my, my actual thought process is yes, I'm pro-black, but when you ask me what my stance is, I'm multicultural. Like I want everyone there. I want everyone. I'm a Rainbow Coalition pro-activist. Like I want everybody there. But if you ask me if I'm pro-black, yes. And so if I, I want white families to be like, hey, you're pro-black? Yes. Does that mean that you're anything else other? No. <laughs> I think black folks should be, you know, get ahead. Yes, I'm there for it, right? There's nothing wrong with that. No. I think about our, you know, we just got done renovating the home. And when you're renovating the home, you look at where the problems are, right? And you fix those problems. And you put a lot of emphasis and focus on where that is, right? So... But if, if all you did was say, well, you know, our doors are fine. So, so we're just going to say, um, oh, we, we don't need to renovate our house because our doors are awesome. We're just, you know, we're, that's all we're going to focus on and talk about and whatever. Well, you're ignoring the problem. We got to right. focus in on where the problems are. We need to advocate for the problems. Right. So for me, that's what being pro-black is all about. Right. It's about focusing in on there's a problem here. 
there's an issue. We need to put focus there. Mm-hmm. It's it's you know no one's arguing about the value of a human life on a on a standard level. Mm-hmm. They're just saying that right now there's not a value on these lives. Right. And we need to make sure that everyone knows that they're just as valuable. And and take that conversation to every single facet because you know, God, I, I don't know about you, and, and it would be interesting because I know, you know, I know Mo's background, I know a little bit about Ola's background, now I know a little bit about your background, but I was fed that, you know, that was what was great about America, that we're the melting pot, <laughs> that, you know, right, that's what you were fed as, as a child, that was 1980s, 1990s America, and, and then to find out that, oh, wait, that's not true at all, mm. you know that there is a dominant culture and that is what has pervaded every single system down to how you buy a home, how you rent a car. Um, and it's not truly multicultural. That having a street fair is not mean that you appreciate culture. You know, right. And you've incorporated that culture, you know? So, anyways. Hola, Mo, how do you feel about your man? Why do you feel about your boy right now? <laughs> I mean, there's a reason that I still enjoy working with Jason. Right. <laughs> I'm a little jealous. I'm like, I don't know anybody like that to work with. <laughs> I want people who are in it. <laughs> yeah, cool. He's like, he's willing to go on a journey and he's willing to be wrong and he's willing to keep showing up. And, that's- and there it is. Willing to be w- wrong and keep showing up. There it is, right? Ola, what were you saying? I think I cut you off. Oh, no, it's just been great um, working with Jason and learning from Jason. And um, it's nice to be in this position of government and having such a fierce and strong ally and accomplice that understands the work and can help to facilitate that. That is definitely something I'm not used to having worked in the government agency. So that's that's what I'm saying. That is what I'm Mm -hmm. saying. I'm like, if I had that kind of uh, team when I was in state, I might still be there. Right. Like it, it, it was a it was a battle. Okay. <laughs> Every day it was a battle, right? And so um, I I want, look, y'all, I said it was going to be 45 minutes to an hour. We are an hour and 20 minutes. So let, no, which is, this conversation is so great. I, I'm appreciating all of you so much. Um, and I, and it's fine because the radio station actually goes to an hour and a half on my show particularly, but um, it's fine. So I want, I, but I do want to respect your guys' this time. Um, and I want to say, you guys, this everyone who's listening, this is the team. This is it. I mean, you guys have more people involved. I know you do. Uh, Martin being one, and but you guys are doing some real work. And I and I'm hoping this conversation lets people understand that what is happening for the public is coming from a place of genuine, like you guys are behind it in a genuine way, right? This is genuine love for your communities, genuine love for equity. You're trying to to bridge that gap in terms of that the fear and the trust that just hasn't been there historically and I want to applaud y'all because I I, and this is why I took this approach to the conversation because I want people to see people right and you guys are very much invested in this not because you're government workers because that as much as people don't understand is not the biggest damn deal but the fact that you guys (laughs) that you guys are actually you know in your heart is in this and it's a real, real life journey for all of you. And so when we, when you bring in these tents and you bring it, it's about that. And um, no one has, no one has to go get the vaccine. We want you to. We want you to please consider. And I also want to consider this approach that's that's ha- trying to change that is changing. Um, it's part of the reason why I decided to go with progress versus not getting the shot because I wasn't going to get the shot. I'm gonna be really honest. I was like, I'm not doing it. 
Not until it's been two years and I see how many people drop dead. Like I, I had all these things, right? And then I just, you know, started listening and thinking and like getting out of my, getting out of my trauma, right? Getting out of my history of medical trauma and of vaccination and, and knowledge and just going, I'm trying to choose progress, right? I know that there's work being done. I know that this was a multicultural push. As Martin said in his episode, y'all should go back and watch one and two because they are really, really good too. Um, it's just that this vaccine was created multiculturally. Like it wasn't just one per. I mean, and obviously there's, there's money behind it and there's all kinds of stuff we could talk about um, like that, which is, this is a capitalistic world, right? So it's hard to get past that part always. Um, but the fact that this is a global push and that we're needing to just, like I said, try to choose progress. I'm not judging anybody for their, for what they have to do to get through it. If they decide never to get it, or if they really are like struggling with the idea, choose process, choose progress. And I'm hoping, and I'm saying that these folks are giving us an opportunity to do this in a way that is in the most respectable manner of your life. Um, and I, I really appreciate you guys taking ideas in. If you guys have more ideas, people who are watching the show, hit up Ola and Mo. That you guys are giving me your uh, email addresses. If we don't have them at this very moment, unless you guys want to say them out loud. I mean, you can. You want to say your email address? Say it slowly. Mo, you want to say yours? Yeah, it's mo.young at lanecountyor.gov. Okay, that's simple enough. And what's your, Ola? Mine's the same. Mine's olaterrera.identity at lanecountyor.gov. Okay. So first, Okay, and I, I will spell out your, I mean, because identity, we need to make sure they can say, uh, spell that right, because they'll be sending emails to all over the place. And so we want to make sure that's good. And so, right? And so I, I want everyone to please take advantage. I mean, what's the worst you can do? What's the worst that can happen? You don't get an email back? Like, say say what you, you feel. You'll get an email back. You'll get an email back. <laughs> right? The worst that can happen is that we can't do whatever the thing is, but you'll get an email back. Right. And that's the thing. If this is not... Ideas don't mean plans. Ideas mean energy to a solution. We got to fix it. We got to bring in more. More ideas bring out a bigger plan, right? Yeah, and give us all the ideas. All of them, you know? Yeah. So um, anyway, I, I will wrap it. I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you so much for the time that you've taken to be here with me and with the folks of uh, Eugene, Oregon, all the way across the nation, UK, Canada. Central America, it's all seen all over the place, so no pressure. But you guys did a great job. <laughs> Thank you, Alicia. Thank you like, yeah, yeah, I just want to keep hanging out. I mean, this is fun. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because this is the I love it because this is the feedback I get. Like, oh yeah, I feel great. Let's what are we talking about next? I'm like, <laughs> uh, you guys are all welcome back if you ever want to talk about anything at all ever uh just hit me up and we can definitely jump on the podcast and do that i appreciate the time i appreciate the support um so we are going to i if you guys just stay on the line real quick i'm going to stop our feed here and then i'll go back to the regular old facebook thing and i think i i'm like you guys know this is new for me so i'm thinking i can stop it on this other side and you all can all start keep talking um let's Let's see if I can do this. Okay. Um, hmm. <laughs> uh, let me look over here. You know, this is what I'm telling you when I say it's casual, y'all. Like, um, honestly, like, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Okay, hold on. Oh, yeah, here we go. Figured it out. Okay, thank you, guys. 
Everyone who's watching, please share as much as possible. Follow me on Instagram, Black Girl from Eugene. I appreciate y'all. And I will see you again next week. And I don't know what my show is going to be quite yet, but I'm sure it'll be good. All right. So I'll see you then. Talk to you later. And that is it for our live stream. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. And I'm going to make sure that ended. Because <laughs> we don't want to have them keep hearing us. Um, and because it's 20 seconds later, of course. Sorry. Yeah. So, okay, it ended. Whew. All right. So, you guys, that was great. You guys feel okay about that? Oh, great. Okay. Yay. The show next week should be about Jason's journey to. No. I'm like, oh, this is going to be too much about me. Because, uh, you know, and I was going to add, too, that, like, um, you know, in the last couple of weeks or something, people have been giving me credit for hiring Martin and Ola. And that wasn't my idea. That was a, a conversation amongst, like, five or six people. Mo was one of them. Uh, Amy Fells was one of a bunch of people. And it was like, you know, my job in that was to be like, yeah, let's do it. You know, <laughs> like, everyone else was coming up with the ideas and, 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 I think that's one of the most important things I can do is just be willing to say, yeah, yeah, no, let's go for it. Yeah, Amy's great. Amy hits me up on my, I mean, she sends me so many links, I don't even know what to do with all the links that she sends me. Like, all the time. Like, it's constant links and grants. And <laughs> Amy is, like, on top of it. <laughs> Same. Right? Yeah. I'm like, thanks, Amy. I was on Instagram the other day, and I was like, oh, all the platforms. All the platforms. <laughs> Yes. She's everywhere. You guys are doing great work and I don't know that people actually hear it. Cause I I mean I'm in I'm in the stream and I don't hear the details and that that to me is not we got to do we got to make sure people see that it's accessible. That's the problem is that government doesn't feel accessible to people. And so yeah, and so it's like that's that's the part. But I I think we did a good job, you know, letting people know and I don't think it was too much on you Jason, but I do think your position because of who we are, like, I think a lot of folks don't, this is what I get from my education when I go out. They hear people like Mo and Ola and me, but they don't hear from you. You see what I'm saying? And so I, I'm actually, which is the worst shit ever. I am on the diversity committee for the country fair. Worst shit <laughs> ever. <laughs> so, it's because I like pain. It's because I like pain. It's because it's I like pain. So, I mean, it's, it's, I can't even begin to tell you how bad. And, and okay, but anyway, um, the, one, one of the things I, we're fighting, we're like, and I say fighting, like literally actually um, fighting about having equity advisors, you know, be a part of, of, the lens of the board and the decisions they make and relooking the policy and taking out all the indigenous bullshit that's there and trying to take all this shit. And, and it's just, they're just like, oh, they want to kill country fair. And I'm like, kind of low key. But at the same time, we don't want to actually kill it. <laughs> We're just trying to like not be like on the necks of all indigenous people and all people of color at the same and all access issues of everything. So like, there's just, you know, all this other stuff going on. And the truth of it is, I was actually saying an idea of, that the committee we'd come up with about, I was explaining why it's necessary to have people of color in the conversation. Like, this is not one-on-one shit. We're, I'm talking like 95, 35 level conversations that we're having, right? And so I'm talking to them and someone said, you know, there she goes with her black splaining. Oh, wow. And it was a white man, <laughs> right? 
to another white man. Yeah. <laughs> and and they what what happened was is he actually put it in the chat on accident. And so everybody saw it. And then he ended up getting that like, no one knew what to do because it was like this blatant racism that they were like like all of a sudden everyone's act of racism like they here it is here's your chance to go, to shine and everyone just fell on their face because they were shocked and i was just like yep yep they were like the cluster pearls and they had nothing they didn't do nothing what to do and it, it has taken it has taken yes right and it has taken um all this time to decide to expel him from the fair to expel him from all these things and blah blah but they didn't ever have a process for it they were like, oh, this guy's been, and he has a record of being abusive to not only race, racial situations, but sexual situations. They don't have a process, right? They don't have a line. So it, it became, and then it took them nine months to figure out what to do. And in the restoration process, they wanted me to talk to him about what he did. And I was like, okay, you guys have got this so ass backwards. I can't even begin. And so that's where we are. So when I when you say that like um, when I say having me having Mo having Ola talk about what needs to happen is one thing, but having you talk about it in a space where you're like in a humble position, like what Mo said, willing to mess up and willing to still show up, white folks don't understand that there's actually white men who are in the game who are you know inviting Mo's and inviting Ola's and inviting Aisha's and being like, please listen to them. That that part isn't showing up loud enough, I don't think, but it's because there's not a lot of you out there that are willing to say, I don't know. And that has a lot to do with masculinity. It has a lot to do with white supremacy. It's got a lot to do, you know what I mean? It's a whole, whole damn thing. So that's why I really appreciate having you speak, even although we're here, it's like, I in my mind, it's that's, that level of solidarity from a white man. I don't know what you guys feel about that. I just feel like the it wasn't what you were saying. It was that you were saying, I don't know. And I'm actually listening. To, I'm being led and I'm listening and I'm following well. That's why I thought it was appropriate. I mean, did y'all feel that that was okay? Like, Yeah, for sure. Okay. I mean, Jason, we don't get to be in like meetings anymore. Like, I mean... Not that any of us are around tables anymore, but um, right. now that I'm in county admin and not health and human services, but there's a guy that I work with, there's a white guy that I work with super closely that when we're across the table, I can literally text him and be like, I need you to say this. And he will like verbatim say what I asked him to say. <laughs> um, and that's like, like we need, we need that. Yeah. Yep. They don't listen to me the same way they listen to you. Right. The same way they listen to the other white guy that I'm talking about. Like, they just don't. They just don't. Because, you know, the thing I can tell you as being a white person and, and you know, knowing a lot of white people, obviously, um, as all of you do as well, but the one condition that I see is just this fear of admitting that things aren't right. Right. Because they have some kind of tradition or heritage or ownership over the way things have been done. Mm-hmm. And so going back and saying it's not right and it actually has been harmful and it needs to change. Mm-hmm. But then also being saying, you know, taking that personal accountability and then also realizing that 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 has real like individual personal impacts. Like I love Mo as a person. And so therefore, like this you know, if this doesn't happen, that's going to 
hurt her and that's going to hurt me because people I love are hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that kind of, you, you got to get in touch with that. Yeah. And, and unless you have that, I don't know if we're going to connect white people to the cause. Mm. You, you, you got to realize the human element of it. This is pain. And this is, yeah. you know, some pretty serious stuff um, that, that is, is just not acknowledging someone's humanhood, you know, their personhood. Right. But also, like, before, I mean, we've been working together for 10 years at this yeah. point. And when I first met you, I was like, this person is worth knowing. Mm. And like, I didn't know that we were going to be close then. Like, I had no idea. Right. But, like, you come at... And that's Black Girl from Life. Making. 